Welcome back to Resolve. We all encounter difficult issues at times. Life can get tough and it may seem impossible. But no matter what and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is about the miracles of transformation that Jesus performed. You're listening to program number 36 of Resolve. Now let's join Pastor Tom Porter. Turn with me to the book of John. We're going to talk about some fish today. Miracles. Why did God perform, why did Jesus perform miracles? And the miracles are windows in which we can look through and understand the miracles that Jesus performed. Jesus performed the miracles. Why? So that he could prove that he is God in the flesh. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we'll be reading the first 13 verses. I'm glad you're here today, and I hope God will reveal to you something that will help you maybe even remove the mountains in your life. Maybe you're going through some stuff right now, and you need, you need some help from God. I hope that God will encourage you through the message today to step out and uh, expand the parameters of possibilities in your life. Let's look to the Word of God. John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, close coming. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great, multi, a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sit down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he saith unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that this message today, that it would, it would pierce our hearts, it would cause us to think about what we are doing in light of uh, the kingdom of God, what we are doing in light of, uh, of giving out the gospel or, or helping to teach a class or coming and just sprucing up the place during the week, getting some sunshine and exercise. God, there's so many things that we could be doing. God, help us to be in your word. Help us to be in prayer. 
Help us to love our mates and love our children as you, would, uh, as you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name we pray all these things and all God's people said. So we all need to allow God to push us into new parameters of possibilities. And I'll develop that in a moment. There's three things I want us to note in our passage today. There's three things I want you to see. I want you to go away with today. Number one, see the multitude and the impact they had on Jesus. When Jesus looked at a multitude, the Bible always says he was, he was moved. It stirred him. Secondly, the meaning of this miracle. 5,000 men don't know how many women and children. So thousands of people being fed with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And then the message of the miracle, how we can apply this message to our lives. Is it relevant to us today in 2016? So number one, the multitude. Jesus saw the multitude and was moved. William Barclay says this word compassion. He was moved with compassion. This word compassion, it's a medical term. It was used when the surgeons, now we're talking way back in the day, okay, in biblical times, they would tie the intestines in knots before they would operate. Have you ever felt sometimes that your intestines were tied in knots? Maybe, maybe the first time you ever drove a car. Do you remember that? I remember those days. I was praying for a brake pedal on the passenger front seat side. I was. Maybe the first time you went to a new school. Maybe your, your stomach was tied in knots. Maybe it's the first time you sang a solo. <coughs> your stomach was tied in knots. Maybe you were like the young bride who was nervous, and, and she said at the back of the church, just before going the, down the aisle, she said to the wedding coordinator, um, she said, I, I can't go through this. And the wedding coordinator says, ma'am, you can. You can go through this. She said, you're going to go down the aisle. You're going to stand at the altar. And you're, the congregation is going to sing a hymn. The music started and everyone stood to their feet. And the young bride started walking slowly down the aisle. And people could hear her softly saying, to remember the process, saying, aisle, altar, hymn. I'll alter him. Okay, over here I'm doing comedy. Over here I'm doing tragedy, all right? <laughs> Jesus knew. Jesus knew the cost of being lost. He saw the multitude. He was moved by compassion for two reasons. He knew the cost of being lost. He knew he was going to be scourged. He knew that he was going to be beaten and, and, and bloodied and, and torn and spat upon and his beard plucked out, his hands and his feet driven with nails. He knew all of that. He knew the cost of being lost. He also knew that the multitude that day were people who were hurting. Anytime you have a group of people, you will find there are people in that group that are hurting. I would say today there are some of you here that are hurting. There's a contemporary group called FFH, and they sing a song, You Found Me. And one of the lines that I love in that song is that Jesus captured, you captured me, Jesus, with your tenderness. With your tenderness. You know what a lot of people need? They need to have some tenderness. They need to have some compassion. 
bestowed upon them. They need somebody to say, I'll hug you or I'll stand by you, I'll pray for you until God sees you through whatever you're going through. Whenever there's a crowd, there's always people that are hurting. And then lastly, Jesus knew there were skeptics in the crowd. Yeah, he did, but he didn't have to look too far, did he? Because he had two of them right there with him. We read about it. Philip in verse 7, Lord, even if we had the money, we couldn't buy the bread because there isn't enough bread. Even if we had enough of money, he's saying here to Jesus, even if we had the money, there's not enough bakery, Philip's saying. And then Andrew in verses 8 and 9, Andrew, who usually has a good sense, he said, Lord, here's a little boy, and he's got five loaves of bread and two fishes. But that is not enough to feed everybody we got here. Andrew should have known better. He just saw Jesus heal the sick earlier in, the, in this passage, and the blind and the crippled. But skeptics are all around us. If you're not aware of that, let me, let me just tell you, they are. Are you one of them? Are you a skeptic? When Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus knew the cost of being lost. He knew that in every crowd there were people that were hurting. And thirdly, <coughs> he knew that there would be skeptics. There are two kinds of miracles that Jesus performed. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, you can put them in two categories. One is transformation. The other one, transformation or expansion. Let me, let me show you. At the wedding feast, it was, it was water, right? And then he turned it into wine. Transformation, not expansion. The woman at the well, she was a prostitute. And then she became a Christian. Transformation. Ah, the blind man, since birth, he was told to go to the pool and wash his eyes. And those blinded eyes became sightful eyes. The analogy being, I once was blind, but now I see. Here's another important miracle. Lazarus was dead. Jesus said to, 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 to the dead man Lazarus in the grave, come forth. And they unwrapped the grave clothes from old Lazarus, and Lazarus was, was dead, but now he's alive. And the analogy there is, I once was dead, but now I'm alive. These are the miracles of transformation. It was water, now it's wine. She was a prostitute, now she's a Christian. Was blind, now I see. Was dead, now I'm alive. They've been transformed. But nothing is transformed here in chapter 6. Here Jesus starts with bread and he finishes with 12 baskets full of bread. He starts with two fish and he ends up with a basket, 12 baskets of fish. When I heard this truth about the miracle of expansion, I got to thinking, nothing has transformed. It has only expanded. It has only expanded. Wow, what a encouragement i realized i didn't need the miracle of transformation in my life i was transformed when i got saved at jump off baptist church on top of Monteagle mountain that's that, you know that's what jump off baptist church it was out in the there was no stoplight there was no, there wasn't even a stop sign there wasn't even a sign saying jump off you just knew that part of Monteagle mountain between nashville and chattanooga or if you're from other parts of the country, be Chattanooga, Chattanooga. That's the same people that say Miami. And, uh, and, and that's, that, that is, 
jump off out in the sticks, and you had to get there on purpose. And it was a great little church. It's where I did my internship there. Drove up from Chattanooga, Tennessee every Sunday, and we'd stay all day. We'd sleep on the pews. And they weren't padded like these. Some ladies had made some pads, and some ladies had crocheted some Afghans, and, uh, uh, and we, we would stay there all day Sunday. We would visit on Sunday. And you knock on doors, and, and nobody come to the door. Yeah? First, you had to get through all the blue tick hounds. You had to get through all of them. And I brought one new preacher up there. I, I was the youth pastor, the Sunday school teacher, and, and um, I, I wasn't studying for, for the pastorate. And, uh, and so I, I, would, I, was, I was there five years, and I think we had about five pastors in those five years. So I'd always bring the new pastor up there and introduce them. And I tell him, don't kick the dogs. Don't kick, the, don't kick a man's dog. You will you, we'll get shot at. And so, uh, and you knock on the door, and of course the ball game would be going on. And kids are crying, everybody, and, and, and then finally, come on in. Well, you don't know what you're going into, you know. It always makes me nervous if people say, come on in, unless I know you, you know. And, and so uh, we come in. And he's sitting there watching TV. How you doing? Yeah. Well, I thought I'd bring the new preacher by, let him, let him get to know y'all. How you doing? Just keep watching TV. That's the kind of people we dealt with up there. They, they, the kids, to go to Sunday school, I'd have to chase them. I'd get out of the van, I'd run, and I'd, I'd run through the woods, through the thicket, and get them and put one under each arm and take them to that old Dodge van and put them in there. And once I got them in there, they'd stay. They wouldn't come out. It was a game every time. We'd take new clothes up to those mountain kids. They wore raggedy old clothes and everything. It was, and, and this, was like, um, this was like in the mid-70s. And, and people with dirt, literally in the mid-70s, but I went in homes up there, they had dirt floor. One lady, she had dirt floor. Uh, in her cabin, it was as neat as a pen. She had throw rugs. It was swept out. It was as neat as some homes I've seen that, that do have floors in them. And, and just uh, some cabins had, had paper on the walls because it was just old lap boards on the, uh, on the wall. The exterior wall was the interior wall. It was, and she would, they would put newspaper up or magazines up. And that's just, that, that's, that's back, in, back in the sticks. And God just did a wonderful work up there. And that's, that's where... That's where I got saved. I got saved because the preacher would say, some of you are church members and you need Jesus Christ. I got transformed on September the 12th, 1976, our nation's bicentennial year. I got transformed. I got born again. And that's the miracle of transformation. And many times I have needed the miracle of expansion. The miracle of expansion. You know, your life sometimes, you can, maybe today you're in a rut. You know what a rut is? A rut is a casket with both ends knocked out. You're in a rut. And maybe you're in a rut this morning. You need to get out of the rut. You need to say, God, I need the miracle of expansion in my life. I need to ask Jesus to get me out of the rut. And be careful what you ask. Be careful what you ask. So now here's the message. Can you imagine if you were that 10-year-old boy? You're that 10-year-old boy. He's that little kid. He took his lunch 
to town. Little boys are always hungry. I, I, I can say to my little, my little grandkids, I can say, y'all want, you want some chicken nuggets? I don't care if they just add spaghetti and lasagna. They'll still want chicken nuggets. You can't fill them up. You can't fill them up. Little boys, always hungry. And he took his lunch to town. I've never known a 10-year-old boy who wasn't drawn to a huge crowd of people. 10-year-old boys are curious by nature. There's a crowd. Let's go see what it's all about. I never knew a 10-year-old boy who couldn't wait to tell someone about an exciting event. Like Opie Taylor on Andy Griffith. Opie busts into the sheriff's, Pa, pa, guess what? He couldn't wait to tell somebody. But he knew he couldn't tell Jimmy, his neighbor, because he and Jimmy lie to each other all the time. He couldn't tell it to Jimmy. And he couldn't tell it to Susie because Susie was a skeptic. She, oh, I don't believe you. But he could tell his mom. You know, moms believe their 10-year-old son. Moms believe him. They sure do. And with saucer-sized eyes, that little boy's telling his mommy all about what he saw that day. He runs and he runs and the dust pockets under his little feet seem to be punctuation marks as he makes his long way towards the house. His heart's pounding. He falls into his mother's arms. He can hardly catch his breath. His mother tells him to slow down. Take a deep breath, son. Finally, he says, oh, mama, today I saw the man. And his mother says, son, word has come to the village that there was men in Galilee today. Oh, mommy, I, I didn't see a, a man today. I saw the man today. I saw the man that has been doing good. He heals the sick. He heals the blind. He raised the dead. Mama, I saw the man, and he, mama, he, he asked me for my lunch. He took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it into pieces, and everyone on the hillside had plenty to eat, my fish and my bread, everyone. And, and Mama, when he got through, there was 12 baskets left over. Mama, he had more when he finished than when he had when he started. Mama, all he did, all that I did, rather, I, I took it out of my hands and I put it in his hands. Mama, I took it out of my hands. And I put it in Jesus' hands. Anytime you take it out of your hand and put it in the hand of Jesus, you will always have more when he is finished than when you started. Listen, when I got saved in 1976, I've got more in my life. God gave me a wonderful wife, wonderful children, wonderful grandchildren, wonderful church people. God gave me more. When you put it in the hands of Jesus, Jesus will always give you more. You cannot outgive God. Oh, this miracle of expansion is something that God wants to do in your life. He wants your abilities. He wants your time. He wants your, 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 your education. He wants your mind. He wants all of you. And give it for the cause of Christ. He wants you to go visit. 
That's what God wants us to do. And when we all do this together, together when we all do it together, God will work away. God will make the miracle of expansion. Again, the table is set. Everyone has, has potential that God, can, that God can press us and push us towards the parameters, the possibilities in our lives. Be careful what you ask. <laughs> Turn with me to 1 Chronicles. That's Old Testament. 1 Chronicles. I want you to see this, and it's been around for thousands of years, but I want you to see it again. First Chronicles chapter 4. We'll wrap it up with this. First Chronicles chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Is it, is it okay to ask God, to, I mean, am I being selfish to ask God to bless me? No, you're not being selfish. You're being dependent. God wants us to be dependent upon him. God wants to bless us. And, and Jabez says, oh, that, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me. Enlarge thy coast. What does that mean? I know in my life, as God brought me, can you look back on your calendars of your life and see how God brought you along day by day, by month, by year? Can you not see that? Can you not say, wow, look how God brought me along. Look how God placed me where I, just where I needed to be to meet my mate, to meet my... My, my church family. To, God just brought me along. He's saying, enlarge my coast. Sometimes that, what that's saying is, get me out of the rut. Get me out of the rut. And that thine hand might be with me. Oh, we want the hand of God to be with us, don't you? I do. And that thou wouldst keep me from evil. Oh, we need to do that. The Bible says that, that, or the Bible says, it's a saying, actually, that uh, uh, the Bible will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the Bible. So, oh, the devil's after us all the time. The devil's after us. Uh, just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we're, we're immune to the, the fiery darts of Satan. And so we need to say, God, uh, keep evil from me, that it may not grieve me. Doesn't it grieve you when you fall into sin? Doesn't it grieve you even when you aren't sinning, but Satan just threw a fiery dart at you? Doesn't it grieve us? It grieves me. So this is a wonderful prayer. And God granted him that which he requested. He had to ask God, and God granted it to him. Oh, we need to do that. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from Him? You know, the Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God. Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. If you wish to send us a question or comment, reach out to us by email at resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. Make sure you visit our website at www.templebc.net. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.